those of you joining us for the first time this morning, we have already welcomed you, but I want to echo that. And uh, we're through this month of December, in, the, in all of the um, noise that gets thrown around Christmas, we wanted to make sure that we zeroed in on Jesus. And so we've been teaching this series called The Genius of Jesus. This is week four. Um, if you want to catch up on the previous three weeks, if you missed any, or if you're again here for the first time, you can uh, check out our podcast on iTunes and catch up. Uh, strongly encourage you to do that. This week, um, and also on the 27th, is going to be the two uh, final weeks of the genius of Jesus. And on both of the, the weeks, today and the 27th, I'm going to be teaching um, from, from two characters, two central characters in the time that Jesus walked the earth. One of them being Jesus, and the second one being Peter. So what happened was, Jesus, uh, when he began his public ministry at the age of 30, which when you were a Jewish rabbi, that's when you begin a public ministry, uh, he went and called 12 guys to be his followers, aka disciples, close disciples. One of them um, is a guy named Peter. He's actually my favorite. Uh, the reason he's my favorite is he's a maverick, and I do like me a maverick. Um, and Peter's the sort of guy that ne- never left the people around him wondering what he was thinking, wondering what he was going to do next, because he just did it. And uh, he, he, he actually often went too far. Um, but the genius of Jesus is he chose a guy that would go all in and a bit more rather than someone that would only maybe dip their toe in the water and then, mm, no. Because following Jesus is about going all in. So I love Peter. Fantastic. Um, Jesus was the teacher and Peter, along with the other 11, were the students. And Peter was the sort of student that Jesus would have to repeatedly say to him, Peter, if I have to tell you one more time. Uh, Jesus kept Peter's mom's phone number on speed dial when he was with him. He had a lot of potential, uh, but he also had a lot of problems. The genius of Jesus is that Jesus wasn't there to point out Peter's problems, he was there to point to Peter's potential. And he does the same for you and for me. We've all got problems, right? And don't be thinking about the person next to you right now, thinking about yourself. We've all got problems. The genius of Jesus, though, is he comes looking for us not to point out our problems, but to point to our potential. And there's a lot that we can learn from the genius of Jesus. There's a lot of encouragement we can take from that. And so um, on the 27th, I'm going to teach about the Last Supper. Today, I want to teach about the Last Breakfast. Back in my um, teen years and my early 20s, I used to uh, follow the wrestling. And I used to follow the wrestling when it was actually real. Okay, this was, this was the days of the WWF, right? When, when it was real, not, not choreographed and, and, and faked. It was actually real, okay? It was. And I used to watch it then a lot. I don't watch it anymore because it's not real anymore. David Bautista. So um, some of, the, some of the, 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 I'll have to kind of catch you guys up, some of you, you young folk. Some of the uh, legends, the, the world champions, in fact, uh, in my 
era, the WWF included um, this guy here, Jesse the Body Ventura. Just out of curiosity, how many remember Jesse the Body Ventura? Exactly. Went on to be uh, a governor of a state, of a very stupid state in America for electing him the governor. Uh, we also had Jake the Snake Roberts, okay? Yeah, hello. Yeah. Settle down, ladies. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That snake is actually hiding, well, not hiding, but sort of taking your attention away from what is a very, very significant mullet. Uh, you can sort of see the outline there. Oh, yeah, so hot right now. Uh, well, actually, not right now. Um, and then probably the most well-known and, and the longest-serving uh, world champion was this guy here, Hulk Hogan. Yeah! And, uh, and these were all big guys. Jesse the Body, big guy. Jake the Snake, big guy. Hulk Hogan, big guy. Uh, what was interesting, though, and these guys you know, all held the world championship at different times. What's interesting, though, is, is that it wasn't always the biggest guy that won. In fact... In one brief moment in history, this guy uh, held the world championship. <laughs> he was known, not on his birth certificate, but in the ring as Greg the Hammer Valentine. And uh, he wasn't always the biggest guy, but he actually got to be the world champion. Because what the, the smaller guys knew is they knew that they couldn't always knock the opponent out by sheer force. So they had to use other tactics. And, and one of the most classic tactics of the smaller guys was, was some form of submission move. Greg the Hammer Valentine made famous a submission move that is referred to as the figure four deadlock. Has anyone heard of the figure four deadlock? No? Okay. Let me demonstrate the figure four deadlock. Jordan, I want you to be a volunteer with me. Come on. Now I want you to lay on your back. Lay on your back, legs, legs, yep, legs spread, and but straight. See now, now, now understand, okay? Bigger guy, Greg the Hammer Valentine guy, okay? Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Greg the Hammer Valentine. That's what we got here, right? So what 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 Greg the Hammer Valentine would do is he is he come up, you know? Oh, I mean, he, he knocked him down, but didn't knock him out. Knocked him down. So then he'd get the legs, and then he'd give it a bit of this, right? in the crown jewels, but he'd really do it because it was real back then, okay? Now, now it'd be this, and he'd go, oh, but it wouldn't actually be contact, so, you know? And he'd give it, and, uh, and then, okay, then, ready, Stewie, you watching? Then, drop a leg. Okay, you've got to watch it. Don't try this at home, but some of you will, so I might as well demonstrate it properly. He'd drop a leg, oh, right? This one in here. Now, now, by the way, this has the potential to break his leg, right? I didn't tell you that, Jordan. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the worst thing that could happen, all right? He's already pleading for mercy. I get it. So, take this leg, and, and you that one with my foot under here still. Ready? Ready? There may be about to be a very loud snap. Listen carefully, everyone. Now, you probably won't have to listen carefully. It'll be really loud. Then, Greg the Hammer Valentine would get like this. He'd take it over there. And he'd pull back. And he'd rock like this. And this. And he, the only choice that Hulk Hogan had was to tap out like he did, which is called, in wrestling terms, submitting, right? So, 
There you go, boys and girls. You now know the Greg the Hammer Valentine secret, not so secret, figure four, Ledlock. Thank you very much. Give it up for Jordan. You won't get that at your grandma's church. <laughs> One of the takeaways from that epic demonstration <clears throat> is that even no matter, no matter how strong you think you are, sometimes life gets us in a hold, right? Sometimes we feel like the best thing and the only choice we've got is to tap out, but that's not God's plan. So I want to talk about the last breakfast. You can flip your Bible apps open. Find the story of the last breakfast in John chapter 21. So go there. If you haven't, uh, not a Bible app dude yet, uh, you can download it uh, anytime, but we'll put it on the screens as well. So this story, just, just rewind that slide, Zodba. This story, um, we pick up this story, or John picks up this story, where Jesus has now um, been crucified on a Friday, uh, buried in a tomb, remained there through Saturday, and then on Sunday, miraculously rose from the dead. But he hadn't actually yet re-entered heaven. But one of his 12 chosen 12 had betrayed him, so he left the, the picture. 11 were left, and plus many other followers. And, and this was all very strange to them. This, this is not what they thought was going to happen. We, we, we catch Peter at a time where, where just before Jesus, let's just hold, she's really, really trigger happy this morning. Um, we catch Jesus uh, looking for Peter. Because what had happened is before Jesus was taken to be crucified, he said to Peter, hey, Peter, I know that you're one of my closest followers. I know you're a super passionate guy, but, 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 but let me predict something about what's going to happen to you, not just to me, to you. I predict that after I'm crucified, before the rooster crows three times, in other words, before sunrise, uh, you're going to have actually denied me three times. And Peter's like, no, 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 come on. No, not, no way, not, no, not me. In fact, in fact, in fact, everyone else might deny you, but I never will. And sure enough, because Jesus doesn't make predictions, he makes prophecies. He's God. He actually knows what is going to happen and what he said was going to happen did happen. And so here's Peter, his, his, the poster child for going all in, has now denied Jesus three times. And so you can appreciate that Peter was in a pretty dark space. Um, questioning a lot of things about Jesus and also questioning a lot of things about himself. And cue slide. After this, now this is after this, Jesus had appeared to his followers twice already. Okay? This is the third time, the genius of three. After this, after the second appearance, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and the brother Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, hey, boys, I'm going fishing. The rest of them replied, hey, we're going with you. They went out and got in the boat. But they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus, 
who'd gone looking for them, was standing on the beach. But they didn't recognize him. That happens. Jesus comes looking for us, wanting to talk about our potential, and sometimes we don't recognize him. It's too busy. We're too focused on our problems. Morning. Catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. He said, well, now, now, by the way, these were professional fishermen, okay? So this, this guy on the side of the lake starts giving them fishing advice after they'd been out all night and caught nothing. Like, you know, you flip the, that guy the bird. You don't listen to him. What do you know? The guy says, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. This is instructive. They did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. It's pretty good, huh? It's a pretty good moment when your biggest problem was empty boats and now it's a sinking boat. Sinking for all the right reasons because God's provision is filling it to overflowing. It's a pretty good change of scene, right? How many of you prefer sinking boats to empty nets? Not sinking boats. What? Not sinking because they're drowning, sinking because you've, oh, gee, I've got too much blessing, so much blessing I can't handle it all. Oh, yeah. Hashtag problems. No, it's not a problem. It's freaking brilliant. And actually, Jesus appearing to, to Peter and, and after a night of fishing where he caught nothing, this was the second time this had happened. This actually happened uh, in the beginning before Jesus had actually asked him to come follow him. He just he went looking, found these guys fishing. They'd come in, hadn't caught anything. Tells them, go out, cast your nets over the other side. They did it. So this, is, this was deja vu. For them, this was a repeat performance by Jesus. So they had, had an, and now had uh, uh, too many fish, and uh, they're on the side of the lake. Jesus cooked them breakfast. It's pretty cool. Fish on toast was the menu. It's pretty cool. Jesus actually brought the bread. It's pretty cool. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Uh, yes, master, you know I love you. This is the guy that had denied him three times just prior. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Uh, yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd, my sheep. And then he said it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. But when you got old, get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. This was the third time Jesus had to ask Peter to follow him. Turning his head backwards, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved following right behind. When Peter noticed him, he asked Jesus, Master, what's going to happen to him? Look, the, the last, this last uh, couple of sentences... It didn't need to be on there to make the point that I'm about to make, but I put it in there anyway because of a couple of things. Number one, when Jesus says, uh, go to the next slide, please. 
Jesus said, uh, you know, follow me. Uh, when, when Jesus said, follow me, don't make the next thing you do turning your head around. Uh, unless, it's, unless it's to see who Jesus wants to also use you to bring on the journey to. But the other thing that's, that, that, that I put this in just for a bit of bonus content is, um, is uh, the, the, the author said, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved. That's hilarious because it was actually John, the guy that wrote it. <laughs> and instead of him saying, Peter noticed me, or Peter noticed John, he, he, he a little bit of a humble brag here and says, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved. <laughs> That's me, everyone! Flipping cheeky. I love it. Anyway. So this is a story where Jesus knew that Peter had denied him at the very time that Jesus himself was in his darkest moment. And he came looking for Peter. But the genius of Jesus is he didn't come looking for Peter to punish him, to remonstrate with him. He came looking for Peter to restore him. He came to give him the opportunity to follow him for the third time to ask the question, follow me. Despite the fact that, that he had denied him, I think it's reasonably understandable that Peter was a little bit ticked off that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Like once, yeah, fair enough, I denied you, you're going to have to check in, see if I'm kind of back with the program. Fair enough, yeah, yeah, I do love you, Jesus. Sorry about that denial thing, not my finest hour. Asked the second time, well, yeah, just like double checking, fair enough. But he asked him three times, Peter's a bit upset. Mm-hmm. You would be too, right? Like if you've been telling the truth the first two times and Jesus knows you're telling the truth, when he asks you a third time, what's, what's that all about? So, so what had happened when Simon Peter had started following Jesus for the first time, his name was Simon, just Simon. Simon means shifty, like, like sand, unstable, mercurial unpredictable, volatile, something yet you can't build on, something that changes with the circumstances, something that's, that's very much uh, at the mercy of, of forces around it. And, 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 and Jesus says, Simon, Shifty, from now on, you're not going to be called Shifty, Shifty Simon. You're going to be called Peter or Petros, which means the rock keeping with the wrestling theme here this morning. But it's not real anymore, so it's not really wrestling. Acting, though he's an actor too. Uh, You used to be Simon, Shifty Simon. You're now Peter the Rock. You can build stuff on rock. You're not Simon, you're you're Peter. You're a rock, and and I'm going to use you among other people as well to build my church. You're going to be one of the, the pioneers because you're a rock. You can be counted on. You're stable. Well, well, Peter the rock, the stable one, denied Jesus three times. That's a bit shifty. It's not very rocky. See, see the problem was Peter started to demonstrate signs of going back to Simon. 
Because he's, 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 I want to be Peter. Jesus wants me to be Peter. And then Jesus goes and dies. That wasn't meant to, that wasn't meant to happen. Jesus, Jesus destroyed the hopes of Peter. And, and often when we're, our hopes are destroyed, we go back to the familiar. We go back to the comfortable. We go back to old ways of thinking and old ways of acting. So, so here's, here's Peter. Peter's gone back to fishing. Jesus, when he met Simon for the first time, said, I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. I want you to fish for people. And I'm, gonna, and I'm changing your name. I'm changing your destiny. I'm changing it from Simon Shifty to Peter the Rock. I, I don't see your problems. I see your potential. Well, now Peter the Rock, that's meant to follow Jesus, that's meant to stop fishing for fish and start fishing for men, went back to fishing for fish. And here's what's important to understand in this story is Jesus asked him the same question three times, right? But if you've got your Bible, or oh, check it, let's rewind uh, that to the previous slide, please. Look who Jesus asked the question of every single one of those times. Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Yes, good. So stop being Simon, and let's get back to being Peter. Stop going back to fishing for fish. I've called you to higher things. Come back, follow me again. Third time, pal, because I see your potential. I don't see your problems. I'm not asking Peter if he loves me. I'm asking Simon if he loves me. I'm asking Simon if he wants to trust me. I'm asking Simon if he wants to abandon the familiar and start walking into the destiny that I called him when I asked him to follow him the first time. Simon, do you love me? Good. So stop being Simon and start being Peter again. Man, I'm preaching good. See, because while Simon had given up on being Peter, Jesus hadn't given up on him being Peter. And that's the genius of Jesus. Now, I already demonstrated one submission move in wrestling, and, 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 and the opponent would, would, would have to tap out, submit, boom, boom. <clears throat> There's another type of submission hold, and it's, it's, it's called the sleeper hold. And the sleeper hold, you, you'd put on your opponent to, 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 to stop the blood flow going to their head, to their brain, and they'd, they'd fall unconscious. So let me demonstrate. <laughs> you sit, sit on the edge, sit on the edge, yeah, just sit on the edge, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, 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 you guys call out when he starts to get unconscious, all right? Cause, so so he'd, he'd be there, and you'd come around, and you'd, and you'd, and you'd use your you know, big guns, biceps, and around the carotid arteries, right? It's all about the carotid arteries, this, this sleeper hold. And then you'd, you'd get him like this, and you'd get like this, and then you just hold, right? You okay there, buddy? So, so hold, and then... And then, uh, as, as, he, as he started to get unconscious, the referee would be nearby. Referee, referee be over here. So, sleeper hold over here. Referee would, would he, he'd be like, but I'm still there, right? I'm there. And the referee would lift up an arm, and, and if he was unconscious, the arm would just drop, just drop. One. That's what it, Two. No, you can't lift your own arm. No, oh, yeah, that's what they do now. Yeah, yeah. Shh, 
bad acting, uh, bad wrestling. Lift it a third time, boom. If it dropped the third time, boom. That's the, that, that's the submission hold. He's out, I win. Get it? The sleeper hold. Thanks, buddy. Get off Jordan one more time. So, <laughs> no humans were hurt in the filming of this message. Um, <laughs> but every now and then, every now and then, a wrestler that was in the submission hold, in the sleeper hold, the ref would lift their arm. One, two, every now and then. Still in the hold. But this, this arm's not going down for the third time. I'm still in a hold, but I'm not going to submit. I'm still, looks like I'm failing, but I ain't quitting. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't count me out. I may be in a tomb. But I'm not done, because it's Sunday. It's the genius of Jesus. It's the genius of three. So here's Peter. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Well, for the third time, because I asked you the first time, and you quit. Follow me. I asked you the second time, and you quit. So I'm going to ask you for the third time, Simon, are you going to follow me? And Peter kept his arm up and said, don't count me out. I ain't done. And with his arm raised, with his refusal to go down for the third time, he went out and preached on the day of Pentecost. And on that day, after one message, 3,000 people made a first-time decision to follow Jesus. Peter's back, baby! And he's bigger than ever. Oh, I get it now. The Peter, the, the, the whole build my church thing. Huh, Jesus saw that in me when he first called me to follow him and told me that I was no longer Shifty Simon, I was now Peter, and he was going to use me to build his church. Well, 3,000 people, that looks like the beginnings of a church to me. So what happened? What happened? Well, the first time, the first time that Jesus asked Peter to follow him, Peter didn't quite know what he was getting himself in for. But, you know, he likes to have a go. <laughs> and, 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 and the guy asking him to come follow him had just done his pretty nifty thing, where he and his, his uh, crew had been out all night catch, to catch fish, didn't catch anything, and this guy, a carpenter, by the way, comes up and says, hey, hey, guys, don't do that. Put your nets on the other side of the boat. And they're like, what? What do you know about fishing? That sounds stupid. That's not going to make any difference. It's not like the fish are going to magically, they're only on one half of the lake. No, what? 
But they did. And, 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 and then they were full. And so, you know, Peter's like, this guy, this carpenter, he wants me to follow him. I don't know what that looks like, but, but, but he just pulled off this pretty cool trick. So let's just see where that goes. Well, well, the problem is it went to the cross. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do crosses. No. See, so he, so he stopped following him a second time because the road that Jesus was asking him to follow led to the cross. Ain't nobody wants that, right? The problem is, up to now, before Jesus asked him to follow him for the third time, Peter had been following Jesus on his own terms. And I wonder if some of you have been following Jesus on your own terms. And I'm not asking the question to make you feel guilty. I'm asking the question because Jesus is always giving you the opportunity to follow him. Again, it's the genius of Jesus. You may have failed. You may have stopped short. You may not have got all in. You may have put some conditions on. Gee, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you if. I'll follow you when. And, and then we'll fill in the blank, you know, the contract that, that, that we want to write. The genius of Jesus is that he went looking for Peter. That is fantastic. He didn't quit on him, and he won't go there to judge him. That's the genius of Jesus. The genius of Jesus is that he, he, he met Peter on his own turf. The genius of Jesus is he'll meet you and me on our own turf. He'll meet us even when we feel stuck, when we feel divided, when we're not sure if we, if we should, should keep going forward following him because it's, it's inconvenient, it's difficult, it's challenging, it's costly. Or going back because that's comfortable and we know that and we get to do that how we want, when we want, the way we want. Jesus will meet us on our turf, but he won't meet us on our terms. I'm just going to give you a moment to write that down or take a screenshot, push it out to social media. This is like, if we get this, this is a game changer. This is a game changer. This was the game changer for Peter. Peter up to then had followed Jesus on his own terms. And the best he could do after doing it his way was to get in a fishing boat and catch no fish. And, and Jesus said, listen, pal, I'm going to give you a third chance, but this time I want you to do it on my terms. And he went out from that and preached, and 3,000 people made a decision to follow Jesus. And this is what Jesus had said to him. When you were young... You dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. In other words, when you were young, when you used, were following me previously, you used to do what you wanted to do. You didn't always do what I wanted you to do. You used to do things your way, and I had to sometimes clip you around the ear and tell you, don't do it that way, do it this way. 
you used to only do what's comfortable and convenient. When you were asked if you even knew me, you, you, you said three times you didn't even know me while I was hanging on a cross. You, you, you only did things on your own terms. You only did things that suited you. You only did things that, that were convenient and comfortable and familiar. And then after all of that, I've invested three and a half of, year, of the best years of my life into you. The best thing you could do is just go back to fishing, right back where I found you. All this potential I saw in you and you went back to that. Mate, listen, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. But here's the deal. If you're serious, if you really want to follow me, if you want to do it on my terms, when you get old, You'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. When we get serious about following Jesus, when we go all in, there is going to be some things that he calls us to do that don't suit us, that aren't convenient, that will cost us. And we can avoid them. And it's, it's easy to avoid them. Just follow Jesus on your own terms. Crop out the stuff that you don't like. Crop out the uncomfortable stuff. Well, that's going back to fishing and pulling up empty nets. And Jesus is giving us an opportunity to go out and see his kingdom expanded. Why fish for fish when you can fish for people? You caught no fish and then you went out and did what I said when I said and you caught 3,000 people. Is it a coincidence that I'm preaching this message in the run-up to Christmas? Everyone that knows me knows the answer to that question. Of course not. I'm preaching it because we need to be reminded that there's going to be opportunities for us to fish over the next 10 days. We can either spend our time fishing for fish, or we can follow Jesus and fish for people. And so I'm going to pray once again. I did this last week. I'm going to pray once again that uh, it's not just the YWAM squad out there fishing for men and women, that it's all of us. Jesus wants his house full, not just the nets full. Lord, in this run-up to Christmas, of course beyond that as well, we commit ourselves to going all in, to moving towards our potential, not getting caught up in our problems, to being who you see us and doing what you call us to, not just what's comfortable and familiar. Use us, God, as Elevate Church, to be fishers of people and see your house full. People coming to meet you like they did when Peter preached, coming to know you, coming to put their faith in you. In Jesus' name. So let me give you an opportunity before we finish this morning. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, he's giving you the very same invitation he gave Peter three times. Come follow me. If you've never had that invitation, then we're giving it to you now. Jesus is saying to you, come follow me. If you've maybe had that invitation, but you've never said yes yet, then this morning we're giving you the opportunity to say yes today. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. So for those of you that have not 
ever said yes to the opportunity to follow Jesus, how about you just put your hand up, say, yes, that's me this morning. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're just going to quickly pray. So I'll just look a couple of times. We don't want to miss anyone, and we don't want you to miss the opportunity. Just put your hand up and say, Jesus, yeah, I want to follow you. When I see your hand, you can put it down, and then we'll pray.